There we go. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Grace, Peace, and Balance podcast by Gabi Abdelgadir. This is episode 122. Today, I have an incredible lady, and she happens to be a good friend as well. Um, she, We will be talking about mental health. This is uh, part one of five or day one of five that we will be talking about mental health. So her name is Ivy, Ivy Perez. She is a mom marathoner, triathlete, and just passionate about overall health. She's been lecturing me just now about health, by the way, and well-being. She has a BA in biology, environmental science, and a BS in information technology. Ivy is also a certified transformational life coach and an international best-selling author in two books, the Spiritual Fitness Survivor book series, second edition, and Self-Empowerment Reset, Our Conversations with the Divine. I like that title. As a certified dream builder life coach, which she prefers to be known as a mentor and confidant, Ivy specializes in helping women in their 50s and beyond women who are at a crossroads in their life to help them accelerate their results and create richer, more fulfilling lives. I love that. She does this by incorporating simple incremental mindset tools. Emotional health is critical and it begins with being more mindful when it comes to the overall health and well-being to live a healthier lifestyle. Serving at a high at a higher level in is her mission because for most of her life she lived with her walls up with very guarded and was very guarded because of her dysfunctional childhood. She had no direction or vision for a healthy, successful life in all domains, but now she gets to impact her knowledge, wisdom, and expertise so that women can live life more fully now absolutely beautiful welcome to my podcast ivy thank you gabby it's long overdue i'm excited yeah me i'm excited too. to talk about this and i'm excited to serve your community i really really am yeah well to serve everybody actually because this has become an endemic like an epidemic like seriously um let's talk about you where are you from and tell us a little bit about ivy growing up Sure. So I, um, for the most part, my I always say the first part of my growing up years, I was in New York, so okay. Brooklyn, Bronx, and then moved to New Jersey. Okay. And then when I was about 30, I moved to Arizona. And okay. then when I was 40, I come back. And it was at 40 when I had my child, what, 43. And then now I'm like... So, but during those years, every growing up, every two to three years, on average, three years, we moved. Okay. And when you're a kid, you just go with it. Yeah. But I went to a different school every few years. It was something that I got used to. It wasn't fun for me. It was one of those I would clam up. You didn't even know I talked. I just clam up. It would take a few years. I started to kind of open up and kind of, you know, make friends and feel comfortable, we were off again, clam up. And so the the stop and go, the start and stop has been, it was a learning thing for me. Yeah. You know, not that I was taught that I learned just the stop and go kind of thing. And I did that with relationships. 
I did that with jobs every few years. I felt I was, it was time to move on because that was what I was used to for probably up until I was in college, up until I was in college. So, so much. And then when I was younger, my parents had separated when I was, you know, timelines. And for anyone that has or had dysfunction in their childhood, timelines are always fuzzy. You know, you don't know the exact time, but um, roughly around six, I would think my parents separated. Now, all that moving that we had done later, I find out that my father was into drugs and alcohol. Oh, wow. So my mom was trying to get away from the elements. Okay. But when someone is um, addicted to anything, they know where to go. They know where to find it. It's almost like an antenna where they find people and they know exactly where to go. So wherever she moved, it, it didn't matter. So um, so I think it was around six where she finally had it because he was stealing from her. She didn't know uh-huh. to you know support his habit. And then, um, so that was one. What I saw with my mom was struggle. Oh, I saw struggle. Yes. Uh, she was basically a single mom. Most of the time it was three girls. So just growing up, she was never around because she was always working. Okay. So I was second mom to my two younger sisters. Oh. So I would make sure the house was clean because my mom, old school, everything had to be in order. Perfect. And uh, so I knew that. And so I was a latchkey kids for, for anyone that doesn't know. You have the key to the house, mom, dad, not home. That's you just go home by yourself. So I did that. I was mom to my two younger sisters and it was just a way of life. You know, it was just a way of life. But there was a period where she fell on hard times, I guess. And she asked her mom if she can live with her for about six months. Mm -hmm. Her mom said no. Oh, wow. My mom mom was one of 11 or 13 kids. So I could only imagine. Yes. I could only imagine. I always knew, even as a child, when my mom would react the way she did, the way she was angry, just the things that she would say, I never really took it personally. Of course you do to a certain extent, but I always would look at her and say to myself, as a child, she went through a lot in her childhood for her to react this way. Just always knew that. And I tried to instill that in my sisters because they didn't understand why mom would freak out at the littlest things. I'm like, well, don't look at her as mom. Just look at her as a person. She's gone through a lot of stuff. I'm a kid. I don't even know what she's gone through, but I can yeah. tell. Like there was just something within me. I could just tell. Um So, but there was a little time it was with my grandparents and it was six months we were there and, uh, it wasn't, it wasn't good. My mom was working. She was trying to make money and save up money. And it was during that time where there was abuse. And so that was, there was abuse there. And that shaped me big time. I think as I grew older, that's where alcohol came into play. Uh But it wasn't an angry thing for me. Alcohol, when it crossed my path, 
was something where I felt free. Free. I felt like, oh, there's no worries. I could just be happy. You know, everyone is happy. I'm happy. Everyone is just, there's no cares, no worries, because that's all I saw. I saw anger. I saw judgment. I heard judgment and all of this. So when alcohol crossed my path, it just felt like all of that disappeared. Yes. So it just got, for me, it was fun. And just like anyone who starts with alcohol, at first it's fun, it's enjoying, but when you have a predisposition for alcoholism, you don't realize that it's it's in you and you have to be really careful and it just got worse and worse and worse. So I'm kind of all over the place here, but um, childhood, I mean, it was a lot. The move by itself every couple of years, every few years is a lot for a child. Yeah, it was. It was. Yeah. And there were times when I was very angry. And believe me, there were times when I was very angry at my mom when my when they separated, because I felt like it was her fault that he was gone. I didn't know all the dynamics as a kid that he yeah. was stealing, he was on drugs and all these things. Yeah. To me, it was her fault why he was gone. And it would take years before I felt a little comfortable with her. And I remember my 16th birthday, she bought me a ring for my 16th. And I gave her a kiss on the cheek, like a quick peck, like, thanks, mom. And I was like, ooh, that felt so weird. Because there was no there was no huggy, touchy, affection. feely. Was... No affection, yeah. None at all. None at all. So I just grew up by myself. I had to figure things out. I don't know what I'm doing. And that was kind of how I went through life. Really, I'm 53 years old. And it's up until these last handful of years. And I jokingly tell people I am just beginning to bloom, because I'm just beginning to understand me. Because there's that saying that what gets repressed gets expressed. Yeah. And so, of course, you know, I push everything down and I'm working and I'm doing life and I'm having fun and I'm traveling and I'm doing all these things. Alcohol plays a, a major factor in it. Lots of errors in judgment there because I'm just kind of living a free bird life, but not thinking. I'm not consciously going through life. I'm just blindly going through life, just going wherever the wind took me. Mm -hmm. I thought for me that, it was kind of like, well, I do what I want. I go where I want. I could travel whenever I want to. But I didn't realize it was, I had a lot of issues. And I remember a client of mine, I was in real estate for about eight years. I had a client of mine. They became really good friends at the time. They were older than me by probably 15 years. And the husband one day says to me, because I think just nonchalantly talking about all the moving I've done. So in the 10 years that I was in Arizona, I probably moved about 11 times. Oh, wow. And, uh, yeah. And uh, he says, what are you running away from? Oh, wow. Yeah, that's yeah. A, that is a powerful question right there. Huge. huge. And of course, the knee jerk reaction is I'm not running away from anything. I'm just, you know, I don't have anyone to answer to. I'm not married. I'm single. I could do what I want and all these things. But that was there. That seed was planted. That was actually the title in the uh, spiritual fitness survivor book okay. where I wrote my story about alcohol. What are you running away from? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. 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 So and, you know, I thought about that on occasion. And uh, it was in my late 30s 
where the alcohol was really getting bad to a point where I'm getting behind the wheel, totally inebriated, uh, waking up, not knowing how I got home, where I parked, um, had to really think about what did I do the night before trying to the bits and pieces, like, what did I do? What I do? What did I, where was I? Where was I? Where was I? Okay. okay. Oh, 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 okay. Yes. Yes. Okay. All right. I'm, I'm getting all the pieces so that if I came across anyone, I could kind of cover my tracks. This was very exhausting. It is. It was very exhausting. And I lived that way for a solid, probably a solid 10 to 12 years. Oh, wow. I lived that way until I was stopped. And I always said, you know, I have angels all around me. I was just going to say you had the angels watching over you, honestly. But when I would say that, I would immediately, immediately say, but one of these days, the angels are not going to be there. Oh, they're always there. I just kind of felt like I kept pushing it and pushing it and pushing it. And they're going to be there, but... They can't be with you all the time. You have to take responsibility. At some point, you have to take responsibility for your life. So I had a little fender bender. Thankfully, no one got hurt, but um, I was arrested. I was arrested. And meanwhile, my daughter's here. She's listening. She's probably like, oh, okay. I'm learning something about mom. (laughs) (laughs) But this is good. You know, Uh this is good. It's for her to hear. It's life, you know, everyone's, and I, I tell her too, that parents don't always have it all together just because they're adults doesn't mean they're figuring out life too, uh, True, you know, so because true. I always thought that adults had it figured out. Hmm. I also always thought that when you grew up, you were growing it was just a natural progression. You get older, you get smarter, you get wiser. No, not necessarily. Yeah. Not unless you are conscious about where you are, where you want to go. And then you have to do the the deep work, the the self-assessing, the reassessing, the all of that. And that's not easy. It's not fun, but it's necessary. Absolutely. It is necessary. So you know, sometimes you have to ask yourself the questions like, what is holding me back? Why do I do what I do? Not in a way of why does this always happen to me? You know, just all those things that kind of keeps you in that victim mentality. The woe yeah. is me. Kind of ask yourself the question of why is this happening to me? Because that's exactly what I did when I went through breast cancer. At the breast cancer uh, oh my journey. God. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, but again, even when that diagnosis was given to me, which wasn't the best way the doctor delivered it, but during that time, sure. At first was like, what I have, what? And everything seemed to move in slow motion, motion. for like days. I felt like everyone was living and I was just like in the movies, like you're standing yeah. still and everything is moving. Yeah. I felt that way for days. Then I kind of came out of it. I'm like, okay, why is this happening to me? Not the really God now this what's going on. I went through this and I went through that. No. Why is this happening? Never got an answer, but I was just curious. And I even said, I went to a support group 
And I even said that to the ladies and they were surprised. And I said, cause we went around a circle and they were asked the, I forget the question or why are you here or something, or what are you feeling about this diagnosis? And I, I just said, you know what? I'm, I'm interested to see who the person I will become because of this. Oh, wow. I just yeah. give me goosebumps. And it just came to me. It just came to me because I was, I was really like genuine about that. There's a reason why I was going through that journey. Yeah. It wasn't fun. You know, it was it after you quit drinking that happened? No. Oh, during. Okay. So this is, this is interesting. Mm-hmm. Some people may, may know who, um, Dr. Vanderkolk is the book, the body keeps the score. So there's that book that talks about, um, just trauma and things that happen. Our body holds on to that and mm-hmm. will be expressed in diseases of some sort. Okay. Dr. Gabor Mate talks about trauma all the time. And uh, I resonate with it because I've had, you know, and PTSD, people talk about there's complex uh, PTSD. It's very different. You can't pinpoint where at one time it was only for veterans. It is not that way. No, I mean, you can have like an awesome childhood, but just witness maybe a tragic car accident and that's it. And that could really like shift the paradigm in your life. Mm -hmm. So for me with the breast cancer, prior to that happening, so that happened when I was 40. I never keep track. It's like, I went through it. Okay, let's move forward. Um, I think I was about 42, maybe 41. When I was about 38 was when that happened with the car accident and all these things. It was at that time when I was like broken. I was like, okay, God, what's going on? Because the way I'm going, this is not good. What is my purpose? What, why am I even here on earth? I remember saying I was so angry at myself because I'm like, what are you doing? Because even when I'm behind the wheel and I'm doing all these things or whatever I was doing, um, I would think to myself, what are you doing? Unsafe situations, but I, I couldn't help myself. I just couldn't help it. So when that happened, I thought that that would be the stop to the drinking. It was for 11 months because it scared the Jesus out of me. Uh-huh. But then I thought, well, it's been 11 months. I can have a little bit. And then right back in. Oh, wow. So then of, of, so it was right at that time when I was like, wanted to find out and figure out, okay, who am I? Why do I do this? Why would someone continually do something that they know is not good for them, put themselves in dangerous situations? Like, why do they do that? So then I started like, you know, and of course, when you are, open to receiving that's when people situate circumstances will start to cross your path they're always there but now you're open to it uh-huh. so then i started digging um and i went to his name is um james arthur ray it was just someone that i followed for some time and he started talking about quantum physics he started talking about waves and particles and all these things and at first i'm like whoa this is like the coolest thing ever and there was one <laughs> thing he said 
that seemed to, because I didn't real, realize that, okay, I went to Catholic school pretty much my whole childhood. I went to Catholic school. My family didn't. I was just put in school. So I go to school to learn right and wrong, this, that, the other thing. And then I come home and I'm seeing something completely different. In my family, I'm witnessing something different. I'm hearing things. I'm like, ah, this doesn't make sense. You know, so I lived in confusion. I lived in contradiction my whole entire childhood. But at the same time, I knew, I knew that there was good. I knew that something good, I was meant for something good. Didn't know what, had no idea what that would be. But I knew that, that I was experiencing all this for some bigger purpose. I'm like 10, 12 you know, thinking these things. So I started digging into the whole, you know, quantum physics, but he said something that was interesting to me because I think for a long time I pushed God away unconsciously. I just didn't think about him. Didn't, I went to church. I went to church on occasion because I felt like I needed that, but I wasn't really having a relationship with him. I'm coming full circle Me now. Me too. It happened yes. for a while. Yes. I'm coming full circle now, like learning to like have a relationship, not just pray to pray, know that there's God and read the Bible, like really have a relationship with him. But so I didn't realize that I had pushed him away. And James Arthur Ray had said something with regard to if you were to ask a theologian, what created the universe? A theologian would say, God always was, always will be, never can be created or destroyed. Okay. If you ask a physicist, what created the universe? Energy always was, always will be, never can be created or destroyed. Same thing. So for me, that was like, oh, that makes so much sense. And it made me feel like I could connect to something that made some sense, some sense to me. So it was at that point, now this is my late thirties, when I started leaning on universe, energy, instead of God, that made me feel better. Okay. So now, and I also learned during this time that everything is created twice, first in thought and then in physical form. So when I was going through this vortex of alcohol and this downward spiral, a thought came to me and I thought, maybe if I got into a car accident and I'm laid up in the hospital with tubes all over me, I'll have that aha moment <laughs> that happened in movies. Oh my God. Okay. First in thought and then in physical form. I realized after I had the car accident, granted, it was just a fender bender, nothing bad happened. But a few months after that, I went, oh, my God, I asked for this. First in thought, then in physical form. So it was the accident. Now, fast forward a few years later, I'm diagnosed with breast cancer. Now I'm in the hospital and I've got tubes and things and drains and all this stuff. And it hit me again. Oh, it's, be careful what you ask for. Yes. You'll get it. You yeah. will absolutely get it, not True. in the way you want it. Yeah. True. So when you can like look at the landscape of your life, not in a woe is me, how why is this happening? Just observe. 
just observe. And mm-hmm. if you do have someone that is in your life that always says something in a certain way that really gets you, mm-hmm. or you get angry at someone because they always do something and all these things that trigger you and you're like angry and twisted. Maybe one day just take a moment and go, why does that anger me? Because they're, cause it's, it's the mirror. They are mirroring something within you that you have not healed from. And I realized that. Now, mind you, I didn't go to school for this. This is all stuff that has come to me. I remember one time I had a psychologist friend and I said to him in the middle of the night, I just was in the dead of a sleep and I woke up and I went, oh my, about the where you, what you're running away from. Mm -hmm. I just, oh my God, I'm running away from me. Out of nowhere. Boom. Running away from me. Mm -hmm. We have to take time to figure out why we do what we do. What is cause? Because there's something, something. If someone said something, someone did something to you, you observed, you experienced, there's always something. And if we can look and try to find, yes, we're trying to figure out why we do what we do or why we get angry, but try to find the seed of good. And that's not easy. But when you can find the seed of good, and what you've experienced, you become stronger. And sometimes part of that is forgiving yourself or forgiving someone else and not verbally telling the person, I forgive you for what you did to me. Sometimes you have to just forgive them to release that hold that they have on you because they're going on with their life. They're doing whatever. They're not even thinking about you. They've done what they did. They probably don't even remember. And sometimes when you bring something up to someone, they're like, I didn't do that. I didn't say that. No, you're just, you're imagining it. Oh no, I'm not imagining it because it happened to me. So, but to go into that, it's not worth it. You have to forgive to let go so that you have peace and calm and you're able to stand firm in, in your own life. Yeah. Outside of all of that. So that's a lot. That's a yeah. lot. So when did you quit? How did the quitting of the alcoholism happen? You know, did you, did you get help or you did it on your own? You can say I got some help and I did it on my own. So I didn't seek like counseling or professional. Therapy or okay. I went through my transformational coaching program Mm -hmm. just to become a life coach Mm -hmm. because it resonated with me. It resonated with me because it was a lot about tapping into the, 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 um, the spiritual nature Mm -hmm. of who you are. It was a lot of that. I was like, Ooh, I like that. You know, I would love to teach that. And so I signed up and I went through a program and it was rigorous. It was like six, six, seven months. And I went, so it was more like, mind you, I'm just going in just to learn. Yeah. But through, through the learning for, for someone else, the, the onion was being peeled for me, unbeknownst to me, had no idea. So once I got certified two months later was when I made 
the decision that I was done. I've said I was done about a thousand times in the past, but just, I was afraid of letting it go. I would say I was done, but then something would come up. I know now things come up to test you. Yes. Oh yeah. You want to stop gambling? You want to stop drinking? You want to stop doing drugs? Okay. So someone will come say, Hey, there's a party this coming weekend. Why don't you come? You're like, ah, oh, all right, next weekend. You yeah. know, there's yeah. always, that's the test and we'll yeah, get that. The, and I was tested, not realizing I was tested all the time. So going back to the, the drinking. So around late thirties was when I had the beginning seed of knowing I had a problem and I thought that would stop me. It did not. I lost my license for two years. It was not a fun time. And then now after that, doing soul searching, I get a tap on the shoulder for law enforcement. Like I felt the tap, like literal tap. And I'm like, really me go through that whole process of looking and researching, not that I wanted. And the military comes up. So I go for the military. I'm going in the army at oh, wow. 39, 40 years old. It didn't happen. I was going through the process almost a year. And then one day I was traveling and then this wave came over me. I wasn't even thinking about anything. And I was like, oh my God, I can't go. I can't go. So I canceled. I moved back home. This is when I was in Arizona. I have the pull to do this again. I don't know why. Why do we have a pull to do something I know. that we don't know why? He knows why there's a reason, but you have to answer it. You have to pay attention to when you're pulled to do something that un is uncomfortable. You don't know why, but there's something there for you. Uh -huh. The why me? No, no, why me? Why? Okay. I don't know. So I went for it again. They didn't look too kindly on me having quit, but they gave me another shot. Uh -huh. This time I wasn't sure if I was doing the right thing, but I was going with it. But I told uh, the captain that had interviewed me, I said, because he told me, he goes, if you quit again, I'll blackball you from the military. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, okay, uh -huh. sure. Uh -huh. And I'm like, you know, and again, not even consciously thinking what came out of my mouth was the only thing that would stop me from going in the military because I'm a hundred percent in is something completely out of my control. I think it was about three months later, I was diagnosed with breast cancer. Oh, wow. So, so you know, it's kind of like, really? Okay. So then I go through the process. Yeah. And, and after my surgeries and all of that, I get pregnant. I wasn't even thinking about having a child. But I truly believe that he guided me to do all this crazy stuff. So that I had my child and I tell her all the time, you don't even realize how much of a gift you are to me. Oh, but I will say, I thought that she was the reason I would stop and she wasn't. And that made me sad. I'm like, isn't your child supposed to be the reason why you get better? Mm -hmm. And it wasn't. And I would just continue like doing these things. I'm like, what is going on? And I remember saying to God, just give me six years. 
it wasn't even about alcohol. It was just more to turn my life around. Just give me six years, please. And when she was six years old, mind you, I didn't think of it at the moment. It was about two or three months after her sixth. No, no, I take that back. When I made the decision to stop drinking, which was June 1st, 2018, she was six years old. Oh, wow. Gave me goosebumps again. Six years old. So it was partly because of my coaching, partly because of all the stuff that I went through. And I was done. I was done. And, and I was in a conversation with someone one time. I said, it still blows me away. I don't think about it. I don't get triggered by it. I don't crave it. Nothing, nothing, nothing. And she said, God took the taste away from you. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. So, I mean, like tying this all together, I mean, there's, we all go through stuff. Oh, yeah, we do. We all go through stuff. And sometimes we think no one's going to understand because this happened to me. What happens to us happens to all of us. It does. We all fall down. We all fall down. We all fail. We all go through something. But we have to just have this. Um, I was listening to Ryan Holiday. If you know him, he he wrote the book Obstacle is the Way. Mm-hmm. That's a really that good one. So okay. he, he, he talks a lot about stoicism. Mm-hmm. And so I was listening to him earlier today. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is perfect for Gabby mm-hmm. and Gabby's audience. Okay. So there was three things that he talked about with regard to the obstacles way. And I wrote this down. Okay. So Marcus Aurelius, the emperor of Rome. Yeah. He had said the impediment to action advances action. What stands in the way becomes the way. So when you realize that the stuff, the muck, the yuck that you are going through, you're going through it for a reason you don't know that at the time it sucks it Mm -hmm. really sucks to go through it and there's times when I'm like all right God I don't know why I'm going through this I really don't I don't like it it's not fun it doesn't feel good but you have something for me on the other end so I'm just going to keep on moving forward so Mm -hmm. one of the things he says is perception so it's the ability to break things down logically Uh, is the essential part of the discipline of perception. It's training yourself to talk things out when fear is trying to get you to feel. So when everyone sees hopelessness, you see something positive. So you're seeing clearly, calmly, objectively, see the good inside the bad. This is going back, I don't know, millennia. I know. Perception, see things for what they are. And then the second thing is action. There's a lot here, but one of the things uh, he says, it's about momentum, taking action, always moving. If you don't, I mean, we all know this. We get in our head. I do it. I used to say I was like a professional sulker. I was just, I get in my head and I sulk. I shut everybody out and I needed to do that. And sometimes that is okay to do that. You know, it's okay to be by yourself and cry and go under the covers but don't stay there too long. Don't stay there too long. True. So it's, and one of my mentors once said, massive action neutralizes negative emotion. 
So now what I do is when I get in that headspace, I pick up the phone and I call somebody. Even if I don't really want to talk, I'll just either call someone or I will leave a message for someone and say, hey, I was thinking about you. How are you doing today? Meanwhile, I'm the one that needs it. But yeah. when you take yourself out of your head and reach out to someone, that helps you. It's so that's it part of the action part. Mm -hmm. So that was two. And the third one is the will. So that's just um, just using everything you've got through as fuel. I mean, that's the nuts and bolts of it. Don't quit. Decide to grow. Accept what's outside of your control so you can focus what's in your control. So there's a lot of things you can't control. I couldn't yeah. control the way my mom reacted when I was little. I could only control me. When I was in relationships or even work environments, when people get crazy, you can't control what they do and how they react. You can control what you do and how you react. Mm -hmm. So hopefully this helps people. And yeah. so, um, yeah, it's just decide, decide to grow. Always keep moving forward. Just really look at the landscape of where you are and try to see the good, some good, a seed of good. That's part of gratitude. Yeah. Just the fact that you're alive is an opportunity. It's an opportunity to see things a little differently. Is an opportunity to have grace within yourself. It's an opportunity to understand that whatever or whoever has wronged you, that's on them. It has nothing to do with you. Like for me, it has had nothing to do with Ivy Perez. I just happen to be the person in front of them. True. So true. So do you feel like whatever you've been going through with all the drinking and all that stuff, it, it was somehow connected to mental health? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because I think from it, because of the experience I experienced when I was little with my dad, when I was living in my, my grandparents' uh, place, uh, there was anger. There was a lot of anger. And I'm not an angry person, but I used alcohol. That was my tool. So it was a way for me to, to just say, um, I don't care what you think. I'm doing whatever I want to do. And I'll drink whatever I want to drink and go wherever. So there was that part of me. That yeah. was, I was angry. Mm -hmm. I was angry, not realizing that because of what happened to me, mm -hmm. I was using alcohol and fueling. But then I got to a point where I was like, this is not good. This is not good. And then it takes time. Once you it realize, does. you know, that, okay, I can't live this way anymore. Yes. I'm hurting. I'm hurting me. So I have to do something about it. And that's where you got to do some, maybe, maybe see a therapist, maybe go see a counselor. I didn't, but there's nothing wrong with that. Absolutely not. That could be the first step. Yeah. And then maybe from there, it's like, okay, this is not working. Maybe they can refer you to something else, or maybe you just have an idea and then you go here. And if it's alcohol or drugs, there's, there's groups, there's AA, there's, Gamblers Anonymous, there's all these anonymous things like go, yeah. go. They're all there because they all want to do the same thing. Yes. Stay sober from it. 
Yeah, this is because now your maturity went through the transformational uh, training and uh, becoming a coach, but we have the younger generation who wouldn't listen right now. They're going through mental health. They're going through major depression and anxiety, and they completely reject or refuse to get help. What would you advise them, Ivy? You know, that is such a great question because right now my daughter is 10. So, you know, we have these, you know, little, little conversations. I see what's going on. I'm more sensitive to it because I have a daughter mm -hmm. and the things that she's exposed to yeah. scares me. Mm -hmm. um, and it's, we can't blame it all on social media. No. We can't. Um, I was reading an article earlier about there was a time when everything was lumped in depression because they didn't know anybody. It was just all depression. And they just gave you drugs here. This is for this. And this is for that. Sometimes drugs do help if there is a chemical imbalance. So that's where you need to seek help and not be afraid to seek help. But with the young generation, just in my personal opinion, what I see and what I've noticed is growing up is hard enough. <clears throat> it's hard enough. So then you go it. through the school system. And then now you get, you're trying to figure out who you are, who are your friends. And then maybe you have a group of friends and then someone turns on you that you thought was your friend. It's happened to me. It, all the then time. Bullying. Yeah. Then there's bullying. Now there's cyber bullying, which is wow. Yeah, wow. The worst, the worst. Oh my God. That does, you know, it stays there. It's in the online space, whether someone videos, it's just awful. Um, it's understanding is trying to find someone that you can talk to. Um, hopefully parents are there. Maybe not. Uh, if there's a counselor in school, but you know, so for, for the young kids it's like you know who you can feel safe with you know who you can speak to and there's no judgment coming back you know that if you feel even a teeny bit of judgment a teeny bit of oh that didn't feel right just go to somebody else go to somebody else because yeah. the thing is is we tend to most especially women we tend to, oh, that didn't feel good. Oh, but they're really, they're trying to help me. So you stay. Yeah. And that's where this cycle of staying in situations or relationships, it could be a teacher, counselor, student relationship, and it's just not healthy. That could happen. And just be strong enough to, to respectfully disengage. Say, you know, this is not working out. And then just move on, uh, you know, and this whole thing about understanding who we are in our physical self, that's a huge thing right now. And again, we're just growing. We're trying to figure out who we are. So let's say a girl grows up and when she's teeny tiny, she's in skirts and, you know, pom poms and frilly and all of a sudden she's a tomboy. That's okay. It's okay. It doesn't say anything bad about you. It doesn't say that you're supposed to be this way. Just go with it. This is who you are for. And 
but you also have to have people who are understanding mm-hmm. around you. Yeah. Sometimes we don't have that. And that puts us in this, like, um, we shut down, we shut down. And I guess for anyone listening who is young, if you feel like you're shutting down, please find someone that you feel you can be open to and just try to open up a teeny bit and see if this person is understanding, respectful, has like the, a loving way about them. That's on you just, you know, you would know. Yeah. You know, and then you do not tell your schoolmates because that's what happens. There is a kid who went and did a YouTube video. I want to kill myself. All of them, they went and made fun of him. Guess what happened the next day? He killed himself. He committed suicide because they made fun of him. So I am very skeptical about kids telling kids how they're feeling. Find an adult, like an uncle, an aunt, a teacher, your mom. I don't you know, think anybody. And, and for yeah. us, it's, it's easier said than done because, yeah. you know, with kids, they're like, you know, even my daughter tells me, Ma, you don't understand. Mom, really? you would. Oh, yeah, she did. She's 10. She's my, you don't understand. I go, well, I I don't know exactly what you're going through because you're living in a time where I didn't have internet when I was little. Yes. You're born into this. So it's a different world. So I try to be understanding and, and see where she is. And I even try to involve myself with looking at some of the things that she enjoys you know, it's like the video games and thing. I don't care. But if I want to connect, you know, and they say, if you can't beat them, join them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I like that. Join them. Because mm-hmm. you might find something that you can connect with, especially if it's your child. Join them. Yeah. Play a game with them. Yeah. Watch the movie that they like with them. Yeah. The thing Agree. is to try to. You know, I I tend to like, oh, my God, really? That's not the way. She's always like, Ma, can you can you please let me watch the movie? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. sorry. I know. I know. And then like uh, for me, I was watching I was sitting down watching all these cartoons with my son that I became so addicted. SpongeBob, you know, SpongeBob. I was so addicted to him even now, like as an adult, like, you know, as an like he's like older now. He's like a guy. He would never watch SpongeBob. I do. He makes me so happy. Like yeah, it's it's uh, there is a lot of nice things that comes with it. Yeah. So that was a great advice. So yeah, for the younger generation, if you're going through a tough time and you're feeling down, it's a good idea. Don't hold it in. Just talk to someone you respect. Talk to someone you trust. Right. You know, yeah. And, and you, get help, obviously. But if you and don't just want, be a little yeah. more observant around, maybe it's a neighbor. Maybe you have a neighbor that's like a, a cool guy or a cool lady, you know, like, you know, if you're in your teens and maybe they're like 30 or whatever, whatever, you just just say, wow, he's, he would probably be a cool dad. You never know. Cause I'm telling you as an adult, if I had a child come up to me, and just ask me a question, I would stop what I'm doing. But that's me. Yeah. Because I can, I'm more sensitive Relate, to yeah. it. Me too. Trust me. 
you know, and when you've gone through something, you're more sensitive to, you pick up on things that the average person doesn't pick on, pick up on. You see it in their face. You see it in their demeanor. You, you just, it's kind of like an antenna. It's like you lock in yeah, and you observe and you watch. So you know, if there's a neighbor that you think, I don't know, just it's hard. It's hard because kids would be like, they're adults. They don't understand. Um, maybe an older cousin. Yeah. Someone yeah, a little closer in age. Yeah. I was just thinking big brothers, big sisters, some some sort of organization yeah, for, or like a like for us, like for people like us, for example, I only have one son. I, he doesn't have a sibling. So same. he's at least he's, yeah, same like you, like your daughter. She doesn't have a sibling, but um, at least my son has one uncle. My husband's like younger. I think it's like there are three kids between them. So they're close, the two of them. So I let them talk. They spend time together. So they talk a lot together. So at least I count ble- my blessings with that. But Nowadays, though, Ivy, it's very hard to trust neighbors, even family. You know what's going on in this planet. I don't even want to get there. Okay. In my network, even in my Facebook network, I have people who are very passionate about stopping child trafficking and all that garbage that goes on in this planet. So this is, unfortunately, it's not like our days when like neighbors watched over the neighbors kids and things like that a lot of bad things are happening um i wouldn't unless like i have known them for 10 15 20 years you're right you're yeah right. i wouldn't it depends on where you live it does it exactly on where, where you, you live. live yeah but where you live and also how how long have you known these people and uh you know things like that so it's 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 not a safe time that we're in yeah. right now honestly. So yeah. And even for me, I mean, we like my daughter, she's 10 and the neighbors I have around me, they're like, awesome. You never know. Mm -hmm. Never know. So uh, even as a parent, I would, if I ever saw her with an adult male or female, I'm watching that person yeah it's just me again how i grew up i'm hypersensitive i'm i'm just more aware and just not in a bad way i just find myself observing observing a little deeper than the average person might okay yeah me too trust me and then not only that like i was um in the mall with my friend the other day and there was this beautiful girl she must be three or four she was running around like there was no adult close to her and then I stopped and my friend said to me I know what you're gonna do Gabby like and I said yes you bet and then I told her hey where is your mom she goes over there like the distance is like and anybody could pick her up and disappear and it's happening a lot now we're not like in a safe time zone right now so I went, I told her, let's go to your mom. And I told her, she goes to me, but I am looking at, she was busy talking to other people, holding a baby and busy talking to others. She was not even looking this side to where her daughter was running. And then I told her, please. She goes to me, but I was looking at, you were not looking at her. You were looking this way. 
it's very easy to lose a child. I told her and children, you just give them a candy, they can go with you. Like it's a very unsafe time. So I told her there are good people too who can do the same thing that I did. What is There's your mom? experiments. They yeah. do experiments just yeah. to test. Yeah. And I saw recently that it was a young guy. He went to a playground and there were the moms there with their little, you know, boys and girls. And he would go up to the mom and just, you know, he would ask permission. He's talking to them. And every single mom said, oh, no, my daughter won't or my son won't go with you. They know, you know, if someone offers candy or a puppy dog or whatever, they won't go. Every single kid went. Oh, my mommy, like, Santa. Hi, how are you? And, oh, I'm fine. And whatever. Oh, I have a puppy. You want to see a puppy? Okay. Here, grab my hand. And they walk away. And the mom's jaw drops. Because they're kids. They don't yeah. They don't have the concept of good and bad. Mm-hmm. You know? That's so, it, yeah. So the parents have to be, like, extra careful when they're walking around in malls or supermarkets and things. And then there is the grocery supermarkets. I am like a watchdog when I see a little tiny little child. I know, I know. And and I'm the same, too. Yeah, yeah. Where is your mom? Where is your dad? That's what I say. Where is your mom? Um, Yeah, so that's it. That was a great conversation. So I think... um, I hope it was helpful. I I really hope it it was helpful. helpful Because I think sometimes just sharing... Your story. Yeah. 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 It's just like, you know, I've gone through a lot of things, but I don't... I look forward. I look for... Sure, some of the stuff that has happened kind of like... Now I'm like, oh, why can't I move forward in this area? Because I need to work on something. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and that comes up. It's like, oh, I've got a block here. Okay, but for the most part, I I just move forward. I move forward. I move forward because you know I'm trying to grow. I'm trying yeah. to grow, and yeah. you know you you won't grow if you look. They say you know you can't you know look dry looking in the rearview mirror. You gotta look forward. Yeah, you got to look forward. Oh, my God, that was a beautiful share. Thank you for sharing your story and your wisdom. What is the last word you would like to say for all, like not necessarily only the young generation, but even adults who are going through a lot uh, of mental illness, sadness, depression, anxiety right now? What's your last word for them? Ah. I have a couple of things. One is you have to really know that whatever's inside of you is greater than any situation, circumstance, or challenge you're going through. You have to know like you know, like you know, even though you're going through it, whatever's inside of you, we are, we're spiritual beings. We're just living in this human life and we have life. Life will challenge us. Life will cause us grow. And when you realize that, that's one step in realizing, okay, I'm going to get through this. But here's a couple of things that people can do that has helped me. One is journaling. And I know some people don't like to write things down. Sometimes it's just brain dumping. If you're angry, get it out, get it out, curse, whatever you need to do, get it out, write a letter to someone, you know, and tell them how much you're, you're angry of what they did and did it, but don't send it. Close it, put it away. It's done. Maybe even burn it. Burn it. I was just going to say, I have done that before. Like I go to the kitchen sink and then, yeah. 
But here's something I learned with regard to burning, because there's something that I'm going to be doing with regard to burning for me personally. And I'm share this with, with the audience. My block that I'm working on right now is a money block that comes from all the stuff. So I wrote down all the things that I heard or felt or thought of with regard to money that was negative. And I've kind of done that before. And I, I actually just did this today. And there was quite a few things that came up. I was like, oh, I mean, I don't believe it consciously, but I'm like, oh, I did think that. Uh -huh. Oh, that just came up for me. That's kind of yucky. Okay. So what I was told, now you take all that, you burn it, but you take those ashes and you don't put it anywhere. Don't put it in your garbage can. Don't, you know, put it down the drain. Don't put it, you know, in the garbage can in the house or in the garbage can outside. Drive it away from your house. Okay. Okay. Because there's that energy. Yeah. Get it away. So that's that with that. So that's what I'm working on. But journaling is one that could be helpful. I know it was for me with mm -hmm. all the anger. I got it out, got it out. So many, I'm telling you, I'm not one to curse, but man, there was a lot of bombs. <laughs> I was so angry. Yeah. I was so mad. Exclamation point. So mad. But then uh -huh. when I was done, I was like, Whew, I feel okay. good. Hey, yeah. I feel better. Yeah. And then I could either face it was like my mom. I like I could face her. Uh -huh. This is when I was younger. Just uh -huh. anything, writing letters, it was it's helpful. Yeah. Another thing too is breathing. Cause sometimes when we're overwhelmed and we're panicking and we're in fight or flight and we can't, and we're kind of like, Yeah. And our our breathing gets shallow and we feel like we can't breathe and we're breathe. drowning, is to stop. Just stop. Pause just for a moment. And a couple of things you can do. The slow breathing is just Hold it for uh -huh. oh, five, 10 seconds, and then let it out very, very slowly. slowly. Sometimes two, three times you feel better. Sometimes it might take a minute, but that's helpful. Also gazing at something, it's almost kind of like a meditation. So it could be a flower, a plant, a book, a picture. It doesn't matter. Just with the soft gaze, just stare into it and breathe and say, thank you. Just think sometimes that's all you have to say. Yeah. Beautiful. I don't know why you're saying it. Uh -huh. Sometimes you're not even thankful because you're so angry or upset. Just, you know, that's one that helps to release some of the energy going for a walk. Yeah. Oh, that's my favorite. Like going, connecting with nature. Just getting outside the breeze, yeah. just walking and walking. Yeah. And at first, it's the chatter and you're thinking and you're thinking. And then after a while, it's like, oh, that was a pretty bird. Oh, I didn't know that house. They just painted that house. You know, now you start, you're out of your head. Yeah. So going for a walk is good. Um, exercise. I'm a big proponent for exercise. I and know. It doesn't you. have to be, it doesn't have to be major. It doesn't have to be major. One of the main things I did, and for anyone that has, gone through trauma or anything in their, in their life, doing something, what I did for me after I stopped drinking, I needed something to stick to because I didn't have consistent consistency in my life. Yeah. I didn't have stability in my life. I didn't, I just didn't have it. So I'm like, what can I do? I need something to stick to even when I didn't want to. And a thought came to me and I was like, I'm just going to every morning get on the floor for two minutes. 
and stretch. That's it, two minutes. Now, is that gonna be transformational? No, I would do two minutes and stop. Could I go further? There were days, yes, but I would stop. Next day, two minutes, next day. And I did that every single day for weeks. And did I build a habit of consistency? Yeah, but what also happened was that I started to feel a sense of confidence. And then I started to feel the sense of trust and belief in myself. I'm like, ooh. And it was just doing two minutes consistently every day. And it was after that where the whole triathlon story that came about. And then I was like, wow, okay, I could do it now. And then I started that process and I did a triathlon. I will be here two hours. Yeah, good for you. That was a great job. And I follow you all the time and I watch you all the time. So you're doing a great job. Great advice. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you for everything, for your advice, for your wisdom, for your experience. Love you so much. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, this is the end of this episode, everybody. Until the next one stay blessed and wishing you grace peace and balance and please watch for your families for your friends for your neighbors for anybody uh, around you and help them from this horrible epidemic of mental illness everyone should help someone thank you so much